Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. of our program is brought to you by PHI Apparel Company. PHI Apparel Company provides unique designs and high-quality clothing for the great fans of the Philadelphia area. With their original designs for all, there's no doubt that they'll stand out in the crowd. Act now and listeners can use the promo code CHEFS for 15% off any apparel when you shop online at phiapparel.co. That's PHI Apparel. Co. Remember to use the promo code CHEFS for 15% off. Act now while supplies last. Okay, Sports City, I have Mike Harvey in the building. Mike, welcome to the brunch. How are you feeling this morning? Man, I'm good. College football kicks off. My Tigers play today. Lots of, uh, lots of things going on, man. It's always a pleasure to chop it up with you on Sunday mornings, man. Good. TP, how are you? Um, just trying to kick the show off the best way I can, man. Um, frenzies, frenzies all over the place. Uh, first and foremost, I'm gonna get into the first thing that just took place. Lithuania just stopped USA in a non-elimination game in the FIBA games. The crazy part about it is USA loses, right? And another thing that I'm looking at is like. This, what is this, the game for them to lay off and then once they get into the real heat of thing that they don't start losing because Canada also lost too. So the two threats within the FIBA lost already, Canada and USA. But 
Lithuania is now unbeaten at this point in time, so this is a team of concern that they're going to have to try to slow down. I thought USA was just going to clean sweep run through this, but no. Lithuania had different plans winning this game, 110 to 104. Um, one thing that does bother me about the USA team is that they're young. Can they handle adversity? They have It's a talent-labeled team. Can they get through the adversity? Of, of course, it shows that they lost a game that had its peaks and valleys, so on and so forth. But I feel like they can get their feet back under them and start uh, dominating as best as possible. But this is concerning, especially with the – best basketball players in the world on assembled on one team couldn't keep it together consistently. So I do look at all of the teams from the past, all of the different dream teams from dream team one, the redeem team, so on and so forth and look at it like, you know, how many times they loaded these teams up and then you look at the field and it's like, we just, we dominate them because it's too many great NBA players. But then when a team beats them, it's shocking. Like I still remember back in Oh four, when Argentina put it together, I remember when Greece had put it together, like there were different years where teams had stunned USA, but then every other time it's like USA takes no prisoners and plays dominating basketball as best as they can. So this is still stunning. Uh, Lithuania pulling this one off recent up against USA. And uh, just to get the thing started off right, I'm starting off with upset. Mike, anything that you'd like to add to the FIBA games? with USA letting one slip up against Lithuania. Yeah, so I'm a little less shocked than I would have been even eight, ten years ago, right, because I do think the world is starting to catch up. And then, you know, there's a lot of good players on this team. This is not, you know, an all-NBA team um, or, like, you know, you're not going to say, like, some of the 10, 15 best players in the world. I think, you know, at the end of the day, you never want to lose a game, but but maybe a learning experience for these guys on an international level. But at the end of the day, the the deal is, you know, this is last game of pool play. I wonder if you kind of throttle back, maybe play with some stuff or whatever. But you qualify for the next round, you're into the knockout round. And at the end of the day, you win your next three games, and this Lithuania game isn't going to matter very much, right? So, you win the World Cup, that's all. At the end of the day, that's that's what they're going to remember. Okay, so hopefully they get this put together as soon as possible. Like I said, I'm starting this thing off on upsets as best as I can. But I don't want to jump into the, the uh, elephant in the room just yet. I'm, I'm going to take my time, Sports City, because it's the bird month, and um, I'm enjoying it out here. And the one thing I do love about the New England area tri-state area, so on and so forth, is uh, this year, out of any year, and, of course, I feel like it'll turn around next week and the week after because, uh, you know, October's coming. As soon as August 31st disappeared, it got colder out here. Like, it really hit 60. And it was like, whoa, like the fall is here. But, no, it's still summer. Still got summer at least till September 21st, 22nd. And then, like I said, October, because out here the Indian summer, it gets real beautiful, all the colors, and it's still warm, feeling it's 70, 75, and you can wear, you get fresh clothes, you can still wear some of the borderline summer, so on and so forth. But um, Sports City, I'm electric right now, I can't even lie. So much stuff going on in the world today, so I'm going to try and take my time as best as I can, but I feel like I'm in a rush with uh, the information and news that I do have, because there's so much to go through on the time that we have here. Okay. 
So um, baseball, I'll do this as quick as, quick as I can because usually I um, get this done at the end of the show and then ride out off of it. Um, basically a full schedule yesterday, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. 15 games took place yesterday in the MLB. So baseball was at full throttle yesterday. Uh, like I said, well, like we both said, we were here before. Um, if you have not been paying attention to the AL West, oh, my gosh. And um, the funny part about it is the Twins are messing this thing up with one of them at this point in time because last week the Twins played the Rangers, got three out of four. And this weekend, from Friday to yesterday, they got two out of the three. They play again today. Um, The Rangers at one point were on complete fire on an eight-game winning streak and um, atop the – AL West, these guys have lost 12 of their last 15 games. They are now in third place, and uh, at no point in time, they were never outside of a game and a half of first for a while. They are now two games out of first place. It is very interesting in the AL West. I will start there. Guess who's in first place? And for the way that they're playing and the way that things are supposed to be set up, for me personally, thank goodness they're in first place. The Seattle Mariners are now 77 and 58 in first place. The Houston Astros are right behind them, 77 and 60, a game back. The Texas Rangers are 75 and 60, two games back. The Los Angeles Angels are 64 and 72, 13 and a half back. Rounding out the bottom of the division are the Oakland Athletics, 41 and 95, 36 and a half back. Um, the reason why I was saying it like that. The way that it looked a week or two ago, the Rangers were in first. The Ashes were where they are in second. The Mariners were third. The way that the wild card would have lined up, the Twins would have been playing the Mariners, and the Mariners were getting hot. And I'm like, that's a troublesome game because I feel like the Mariners can go into Minnesota, steal one, comparison to the way Minnesota had went to Safeco and really couldn't get their legs underneath them. So now Seattle is playing so good at baseball, it's like, I feel like anything could happen. Plus, the Twins did take the series against the Astros and the Rangers. Well, yeah, the Rangers because they won yesterday. So it's real, I feel like we can be competitive in the postseason. But the the Mariners was like a split. Like we went home and did our business. They went to Seattle. They did their business. So I feel like it's going to be tough, a nail-biting series if it does come down to it. But the AOS has definitely got supremely interesting. Mike, your thoughts on the AOS at this point in time? Been saying this for a while. This is the division to watch. And right now, all these teams pulled ahead in the playoff race. Now they're all struggling and losing. Uh, the Angels are so, so bad. They lost uh, two games this weekend to the A's. And did you know, with all this $5 million that they just uh, saved by waiving these players at uh, – the roster deadline, this is one of the few organizations that's not even sending their broadcasters on the road, and they're broadcasting from the home studios just like they did in COVID times. Just another example of uh, running an organization second class. 
listen, Texas was in first place for like 146 out of the first 149 days of the regular season or something ridiculous like that. They almost wire to wire. They're still right there. Uh, you know, I, I wonder if Bruce Bochy can write the ship there. They're really missing Josh Young, TP. I think he, even though he's young, was really kind of an emotional leader on that team. I think this team's still going to make the playoffs. Uh, and then to me, the thing to watch in the thing to watch in Seattle is Julio Rodriguez. He was crazy, crazy hot, uh, like one of the most unbelievable stretches that we've ever seen. But he also missed a couple games this week due to a sore foot. So uh, that's something that bears watching as well. And then the Astros, the Astros, man, they got Michael Brantley back now. Uh, Jose Altuve back with a with a bruised leg the other day, but uh, he seems to be back too. So. This is the best division race left. Uh, there's one other division that's still going to be pretty close, but this is the best division race left. And then the question is, can the other two teams that don't win the division get into the wild card? It's very possible, but, you know, as we go on, we'll see. Some other teams, uh, at least one other team, still has something to say about it. TP, if you're talking, you're talking on mute. I'm so sorry. I sure was talking on mute. Okay, so let me get away from the AOS because I sure did uh, respond and, and just lost everything I was saying, like, right behind you in response to that. Let me go to the AL East. Let me go west to east. The Baltimore Orioles are still in first, interesting enough, 84 and 51, being followed by the Tampa Bay Rays, who are 82 and 54, two and a half games back. The Toronto Blue Jays are 74 and 62, ten and a half games back. The Boston Red Sox are 70 and 66, 14 and a half back. The New York Yankees are 67 and 69, 17 and a half back. In which the Yankees are starting to find their strikers. At one point, they were four to five games under 500. At least they're two games under 500, trying to make their way back to 500. Can they get back into the race? I think so. Um, they have to play consistent to do so. But this is a very interesting situation within the division that the Rays are still in the rear view of the Orioles. Can the Orioles hang on and win a division that they have not won in so many different years? Uh, can the Rays continue to show their dominance? Toronto is definitely in the middle of this thing. Can Toronto be a team that gets into the wild card picture? They are still hovering around. There's so much stuff that has to happen, especially with the teams that are in the AL West, with Houston and Texas having at least those first two spots. Can Toronto hang on to that third spot is the question. Mike, your thoughts on the AL East and how things are going down right now? Actually, I think right now whoever loses the East has the first wild card, and then Houston and Texas have the second and third right now. So can Toronto creep in there? Uh, listen, uh, notable for the Yankees, Dominguez, Jason Dominguez, they call him the Martian. Chandler and I talked about him a lot this year. Uh, he hit his uh, a home run, his first major league bat. This kid's 20 years old. Uh, you know, the Yankees are bringing up youth to, like, Austin Wells and Henderson and uh, a lot of guys uh, just to try to keep the interest of that fan base in a lot of ways. They're back to only two games under. They're not going to get back in the race. they got too many games. I mean, they're they're a little bit too far back now. They've kind of let the, let the competition get too far in front. But if, if you're a Yankees fan, maybe it's worth watching to see these kids kind of audition for next year. Um Boston's kind of lingering, but I just don't think they have enough. Toronto's still only a couple wins out. They still got to get hot. Uh, they lost yesterday, but they, you know, won their first two games in Colorado. 
Everybody, you know, we talk about Tampa missing pitching. We talk about Baltimore's pitching fading. But these teams have still found a way to hold on and stay in the top two spots. And I think they're going to finish there. And one of them gets a wild card. But, you know, like you said, there's still a month to go. Uh, we've seen epic collapses before. It could happen again. Okay. So moving right along from the AL East to the AL Central. And um, still interesting for me. I had to say the best for last personally. This would be funny. Um, the Minnesota Twins are 71-65 and 65 leading the division. The Cleveland Guardians are 66-70, and 70, five games back. The Detroit Tigers are 62 and 74, nine games back. The Chicago White Sox are 53 and 83, 18 games back. And rounding out the bottom of the division are the Kansas City Royals, 42 and 95, 29 and a half games back. Um, in which things have heated up so interesting, and the Central is not funny. Uh, the Twins had just let go of a series at home up against the Guardians, losing two out of the three. Uh, continue to do well outside of <laughs> within the division uh, matchups with going up against the Tigers and the Guardians have just made it that much tougher in which the Guardians are now heating up and playing better baseball at this point in time, at least trying to get away from that six to five game lead. At one point, the Twins have pushed us to seven, um, but still hovering around five. And this is the one thing that makes me nervous because I've seen the Twins always go through this situation, especially at this point in time, if they have, the lead or push to win the division. It's a nail biter all the way to the second or last week of the season. And to see if one team relinquishes the lead or if one team just stands pat on what they have going on. This is what I know. So it's like, I'm hearing it all across the board. The twins should likely, the twins should likely. It's like, no, I know things could happen. We've seen so many different epic breakdowns uh, historically. Oh, they had a five-game lead. Oh, they had an eight-game lead, and the turnaround happened, and what's going on in the locker room, so on and so forth. So I, that's why I'm not trying to buy into everything. And thank goodness the Twins have won their last two games the way that they did. If the Twins could find consistent pitching and to be able to score runs while they're down, that's the one thing that always gets the Twins. The Twins can win games if they're up early. Like if they score and they're putting runs together, then they could win. But a lot of times when the Twins face a, a deficit, they'll just lose. It's like something about them being behind. The past two games, they faced a deficit and came back and won. If they continue to play like this, this is what the Twins need and um, could actually make this scary for other teams at this point in time. But in saying this, a player that I have a liking for on the Twins is not going to cut it. And um, it hurts me to say it like this because I wanted to see the player excel. It is just not working. And there was something that Rocco did last night that made no sense. And it did cost them the way that I knew it would happen, but it didn't cost us the game. Thank goodness good karma may have been on our side. I don't know what it was. But Joseph Gallo is done. Joseph Gallo is not contributing to this team. This guy is an out unless he walks. That's it. That, that's all he's up at the plate looking to do is to be the six foot five monster. If, if somebody leaves a meatball that they're throwing like from anywhere from 96 to 85 miles an hour across the plate, served up on a platter, he'll take it as far as Mexico. 
But other than that, he's a strikeout king or he's an out waiting to happen. He's not even trying to swing the bat. And um, the Twins had bases loaded, no outs, and they pinch hit him in the middle of the game where he wasn't even effective up against a left-handed pitcher. And it's like, what are you trying to rebuild this confidence, especially while we got the ball rolling and we're up a run or two? It was like, no. And then he sure did strike out. He's had more strikeouts. I, I think it's like percentage. It's like 50% of his at-bats or something like that. And it's like he's not contributing. But the one thing about Gallo is like he is highly and severely likable. He doesn't have an attitude. He's not cocky. And he's one of those I, – I, I fall in love with bomb threat hitters. Like, I like to know. I like Nelson Cruz when he was there. These guys could take you out the park quickly. But these guys are strikeout, you know, madmen at the end of the day. And, and looking at Gallo and he got up there and struck out, it was like there's no point in that. And uh, I get it. They can use him all over the field. He can play the outfield. He can play first. Like, they, they can use him so many different ways. But at the plate, he is costing us big. Uh, Max Kepler has been playing awesome. Minnesota, all of you upstairs from Thad Levine and Derek Falvey, please do not let this guy go no matter what. I do not want to see Max go. This guy is on fire. And the worst part about it is is he's hitting left-handed pitching. That That is, for a left-hander, it's hard, like, it's hard to see that ball for them. And um, he's had trouble with that in the past. Now he's hitting. If you throw anything around the plate, he is making contact and making you pay. The only thing that he's not doing is hitting his home runs, but that's okay because he leads the Twins in home runs. Like, um, it's great. And I will always continue to support Max Kepler, but they got a lot of young bats coming and young bats that's on the roster now that uh, they can't hide too much. They're trying their best, and, and Matt Walner is a good threat. And uh, all the kids that are coming up in the farm, to me, best farm in baseball. I could care what else. I care less what everybody else say. But the Twins are trying to make this magic happen. The Guardians are definitely in their rear view, even though they're five back. Uh, they are trying to make this as interesting as possible. Mike, your thoughts on the AL Central? Uh, so Kansas City, got to be careful. They might get surpassed by Oakland. But if they do, they get the number one overall pick. Uh, what a dumpster fire in Chicago. Um the Tigers, Riley Green to the uh, aisle again. We know they're still, uh, you know, a year or two away. Uh, but then, listen, Cleveland is trying to do everything they can, man. They're getting guys off waivers. They got Ramon Luriano. They got this guy. They got that guy. And they went and picked up the pitchers uh, that the Angels waived, the ones that they got from the White Sox. Uh, so they got Matt Moore. They got Lucas Giolito. Uh, they went and picked up some pitchers uh, to try to help. You know, we talked about McKenzie and Bieber being out and those holes in the pitching rotation. So Cleveland is at least trying with some low-risk moves just to try to tread water and try to stay in there. A good series against Minnesota. At the end of the day, Minnesota's just better offensively. Uh, they're better on the mound. They're a better club, and, and they're going to win this division to make the playoffs. And I'm telling you, uh, another guy to watch out for in that Minnesota Twins lineup who appears to be back healthy is Royce Lewis. Uh, this kid in, in just 50 games, 10-plus home runs, uh, a couple of, like, three or four grand slams. Like, it's it's unreal that, uh, you know, you got guys that go years and years and years before they finally hit their first one. 
And this guy's got multiple grand slams in his first 50 games. Number one overall pick, making good. I really love what he brings to the middle of that lineup. And then uh, Edward DeJulian starting to settle in. You know, he was uh, been an on-base machine all the way through the minor leagues. He's starting to settle in as well. So uh, the Twins are just more talented than the Guardians, and they're showing it with their work outside of that division. Uh, you know, the Guardians sometimes can have that number because of familiarity. But at the end of the day, at the end of 162, they're not going to catch them this year. They get their pitching healthy or whatever in the future, then we may be having a different discussion. But uh, I like what I'm seeing out of the Twins against the Rangers and against other teams. And this is not going to be – this is going to be a tough first-round matchup for somebody. And you got to go into Minnesota, too, and play. So I agree with you. I love what Kepler's doing. I told you Joey Gallo can air condition the ballpark with all the swinging and missing that he can do. But, but Minnesota to Mexico is crazy, and it's about right, too, because when he hits the ball, it goes a long way. Uh, but uh, this division, t- to me, is pretty clear-cut. Can Cleveland make it interesting, and how interesting can they make it is, is the question. But I think I still think the Twins are sitting good, T.P. I think you're in good shape. And, and even in trying to pick one, Joey Gallo, I know you haven't been seeing it because – Gallo isn't even swinging to fan the, the park. He's actually keeping that bat on his shoulders. He's looking at the pitch, go across the plate, and then try to outbend it to see if he can be shorter than the pitch. It's like, no, your box is still going to be the same height, regardless if you're six foot five or you squat down to be six one or squat down to be five eleven. Like it, it, he's not swinging the bat at all. He's not. And it's like that walk that he was looking for when the bases were loaded because he he worked the pitcher to a three zero count. He worked the pitcher to a 3-0 count. That pitcher threw three straight strikes down the pipe, and he didn't swing the bat at all. At all. It's like, wait, come on. Come on. And um, it, it's, it's unbearable because you know that this guy has talent. This is the guy that was around Chris Bryant and Bryce Harper. Both of these guys have been to a World Series. It's like you're one of the guys from that, you know, that lineage, like, when do you make the spark? Like, they put you in L.A., they put you in New York, like, and everybody got rid of you. Like, when do you take this personal? And you came to Minnesota to, like, I feel like to hide your, your scars. Like, because Minnesota is, is, you know, the, the low market team, even though they got a ton of money, but <laughs> don't use it like a New York City. And um, they're doing well with you there, but not because of you. It, it, it's so frustrating. Again, like you said, with uh, the Royce Lewis situation, this guy hit back-to-back Grand Slams. And the third game behind the, the second Grand Slam game, he had an opportunity to do it again. Uh, he had bases loaded again, got up, and hits the ball to the damn warning track. I was like, if this guy hits a third Grand Slam back-to-back-to-back days, this, this guy's incredible. Um, Royce Lewis is definitely impressing um, to me, I, I like Warner out of all of them, but Royce Lewis is definitely doing his thing at the plate as well. Um, Juliana's here or there sometimes, to be honest. He's a first uh, pitch swinger, and, and he'll get down uh, facing a deficit in the count. Uh, it's one thing that does bother me because they don't let these guys get consistent play because it's him and Polanco at second. And the way that Jorge has been playing, my goodness, um, Jorge Polanco has done so much for this team after dealing with so many adversity throughout the season, definitely with injury. He is two home runs away from the all-time lead in Twins history 
for infielders. Uh, Roy Smalley has the record, and he has them by, like, a home run or two or something like that. But Jorge needs, like, two more to eclipse it already. And it's like this guy has been consistent for this team. And um, <laughs> if you're a right-handed pitcher, please pitch against the Twins. That's all I'm asking because he's dangerous at the left side of the plate. I mean, the right side of the plate he can hit too, but when if it's, he's if he's batting lefty, he is making contact either getting on base or definitely getting you out of the park, and I'm loving this. That is for sure. Jorge, on the low, you are the X Factor on the low. You and Kepler, I don't know what the heck you two did. You got some spinach or some gummy berry juice or, or um, got one of them, I don't know, the Dragon Ball beans, whatever they got. These dudes have been hitting. Let me get away from it because I, I told you I could talk about these dudes all day. I can. Okay, so the National League West. I'll start with the Dodgers. The Dodgers are 83 and 52, sitting atop the division, will not get caught to me. The San Francisco Giants are 70 and 66, 13 and a half back. The Arizona Diamondbacks are 70 and 66, tied with the San Francisco Giants, 13 and a half back, but in third. The Padres of San Diego are 64 and 73, 20 games back. And the Colorado Rockies are 50 and 85, bottom of the division, 33 games back. Mike, your thoughts on the NOS, how it's showing at this point in time? <laughs> I'll go, go on about why I'm laughing. In just a couple minutes when we go to the last division that we're going to hit today. Uh, so I hope you'll go central next. But Dodgers are in good shape. They're going to win this division. Uh, like you said, Diamondbacks and Giants both tied with 70 wins. Uh, can they get in? You know, can one or both of these teams get into the playoffs? It, it'll be interesting to see. That Giants offense has really been struggling so much so that, you, you know, listen, if you're trying to stream fantasy pitchers, like trying to win your matchups, you can kind of target that Giants offense right now. They just haven't really been producing as well. Uh, Diamondbacks really got got hammered by the Dodgers again this week. So uh, we'll see. But both of these teams are still in wild card contention. San Diego Padres, shame on you. Nine under 500. Uh, you know, we, we kept talking earlier in the year about will they get back to 500. And I think they got within like two or three games of 500, right? But that's as close as they've come. Now they're nine games under. Uh, it, it's going to take uh, some kind of miracle for them to finish at 500. A lot of uh, tough questions need to be answered uh, within this organization uh, at the end of this season. And then Colorado is just Colorado, man. They're just sort of fledgling without a whole lot of a plan. As I said, one of the few bright spots uh, in Colorado is Ezekiel Tobart, shortstop. And Nolan Jones, former Cleveland Indian, uh, has been really good for them over the last few weeks, uh, playing first base and a little bit of outfield for them. And they brought up a kid named Hunter Goodman who's been uh, hitting the ball pretty well also. But uh, Colorado just doesn't have enough uh, – Colorado just doesn't have enough pieces. It's like taking a knife to a gunfight. So – that's pretty much all I got on the West. Okay, so I'll go right to the NL East because I want to see what you had up your sleeve. So the Atlanta Braves are 90-45, and 45, leading the division best team in baseball. The Philadelphia Phillies are 74-61, and 61, 16 games back. The Miami Marlins are 69-67, and 67, 21 and a half games back. The New York Mets have climbed out of the basement. They're 62-74, 28 and a half back. And the Washington Nationals are rounding out the bottom of the division, 62-75, and 75, 29 games back. Mike, your thoughts on the NL East? 
<laughs> Going to Chavez Ravine and win three in a row. Acuna <laughs> with a homer each night. He had a grand slam in the first game. The Dodgers came back and made it real, real dicey at the very end, but eight to seven. Max Freed has finally gotten that monkey off his back, coming back home to California, has always struggled there, goes seven innings and pitches really, really brilliantly on Friday night. The Dodgers hit a home run late to kind of make it close, but six to three then. And then last night in a pitcher's duel, uh, Ronald Acuna hit another home run, and the Braves won one going into the 10th inning. And Orlando Arcia, the kid that nobody thought was going to be the shortstop this year, it's a three-run home run in the top of the tent. The Braves come in four games up on the Dodgers, win three in a row. So they're going to win their first four-game series in L.A. since 2009. They're going to win their first series in L.A., period, since 2012. At the end of the day, even if they don't win today, they're going to at least be six up, and they've built themselves a little bit of a cushion now in this race for overall supremacy, not only in the National League, but in baseball. Uh, And listen, Ronald Acuna, uh, we said maybe 40-40 wasn't going to be possible. First man to ever be 30-60. He may get to 70 in steals, and with his three straight home runs, he is now at 32 home runs, TP, with eight weeks to go in the season. I mean, with four weeks to go in the season, he needs eight more. It's not out of the question that he could hit 40 before this year is up. And last night, the home run he hit. So they say exit velocity. If you get over 100 miles an hour off the bat, you're smoking the baseball, right? Some like 106, 110. He hit the hardest home run hit all year last night, according to advanced stats. The ball came off his bat at 121 miles an hour, going straight away center field, 440-something feet. He had a missile uh, last night. Uh, he, this is uh, Mookie Betts had a huge game uh, in the first game, but in, in a series that showcases the MVP candidates in the National League, Acuna got married on Thursday afternoon, hit a grand slam that night, but three straight games flexing his muscle in this MVP race. And the Braves are taking care of business in Chavez Ravine this weekend. So regardless of what happens today, they get this series. They widen their lead. And, you know, kudos. Um, The Phillies are still in really good position for that second wild card. And look out. The Marlins right now, those 69 wins are only one game back of the Giants and – I mean, the Giants and Diamondbacks. So – 70 wins as we hit the central. We'll look at those win totals there, too, to see what this playoff picture uh, is looking like today. But (laughs) taking care of business in L.A. Okay, and in the NL Central, the Milwaukee Brewers are 76-59, leading the division. The Cubs are 72-64, four-and-a-half back. The Cincinnati Reds are 71-67, six-and-a-half back. The Pittsburgh Pirates are 63-73, and 73, 13-and-a-half back. And the St. Louis Cardinals are 58-78, and 18-and-a-half games back. Mike, your thoughts on the NL Central? Can the Cubs catch the Brewers? Uh, can Cincinnati stay in this conversation the way that they pulled this off in the past couple of months, but they're still in the middle of the pack in the NL Central? 
But, you know, it's real interesting because right now, Cincinnati and Chicago and Philly would be the playoff teams. If, if everything ended today and then the Marlins and the, Do- the Diamondbacks and the Giants would all be sitting at home. Uh, the Reds have struggled some. Uh, it's the young team and, you know, trying to deal with the marathon of the regular season. But this is a, their last series against the Cubs. Uh, they have found a way after dropping the first game of the doubleheader on Friday. They won the second one. They won yesterday. So they're at least going to get a split out of this series. It would be huge for them if they could find a way to win today. Uh, this Cubs team is going to be there, though. Uh, the Brewers are starting. I mean, listen, they got pitching. I, I think the Brewers are in pretty good shape. But uh, I think the Cubs are the team that's most likely uh, to catch the Brewers if somebody's going to. But there's there's a legitimate shot that you could have three teams, which would surprise a lot of people, but there's a, the, there's a legitimate shot that you could have three teams from the Central uh, make the playoffs. This is going to be very, very, very interesting. The Reds still kind of dealing with some attrition, though. They got a couple other guys hurt, but they just got Jake Fraley back. They're missing Matt, uh, Matt McClain. They're missing Jonathan India. And these young pitchers are kind of hitting a wall. And the other thing to be really careful about with Cincinnati, uh, they lost Hunter Green to COVID. COVID is starting to strike this clubhouse. They've lost a couple other pitchers. Uh, Brandon Williamson's going to have to miss his start today due to COVID as well. So the Reds are actually initiating uh, or starting to enact some of the basic protocols from back in 2020 to try to avoid this COVID thing. They're not having any unnecessary personnel come into the clubhouse. They're trying to uh, batten down the hatchets, if you will, uh, in order to try to keep everybody safe and healthy. Uh, So uh, that is something to watch for, though, with this Cincinnati Reds team is uh, COVID. It seems to be uh, affecting these guys. So uh, we will see. You know, they're, they're at home now. Uh, it's a big game for them today, but they've at least salvaged a split in this series and been able to stay relevant. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh's having a respectable season compared to what people thought they were going to get out of them. And St. Louis, another team that has to have a lot of uh, difficult conversations in this offseason to figure out what to do next. Okay, getting away from the diamond and going to the gridiron of schools, not not just you know, the gridiron of professionals. We're going to go to school gridiron. And um, I'll start with Thursday night because I'll start Thursday night. Um, There was the gumbo going on at this point in time. Utah wins that matchup up against Florida, 24 to 11. People, I'm going to say this now, Florida is not back. They have some rebuilding to do. Um, even though it is very tough to go into Utah, Utah gets up for big games, especially when they come into Utah, just something about the youth. They always pull that game off and make it very interesting, and Florida was not ready. They made a massacre of Florida. Florida did not look ready at all. They had a field goal on the board basically all game. They didn't score that eight, well, the eight points to make it 11 until late in the game. Utah had supreme control of that game. Utah's putting you guys out there on notice. Florida, I get it. It's a big-time matchup, but you guys have to be ready, especially with all the talent and potential that you guys have across the board, offensively, defensively, front line, defensive line, 
uh, you guys have it. You have speed on the outside and still couldn't do anything with Utah. I, I have bigger lingering questions for Florida until they could start putting it together. Because you guys are in the SEC. It's not going to get any easier across the board. You guys have a lot of work to do. Falling into Saturday, the um, – and it goes from one down, but it didn't go. This is how the matchup didn't go. But University of Tennessee Martin loses their matchup against Georgia, forty-eight to seven. Of course, Michigan wins their matchup against East Carolina, thirty to three. Ohio State wins their matchup against Indiana, twenty-three to three. In which Indiana made this a game early, but just could not score. They had Ohio State, interesting enough, close as possible. They just couldn't put points on the board, and Ohio State took, you know, advantage of the situation. Alabama, Middle Tennessee State, 56-7. to Alabama definitely ran the scoreboard up. They don't look like the Alabama that we're used to, but they did take care of business up against Middle Tennessee, especially as the game went on. Uh, they definitely imposed their will. The new quarterback, Milrow, had some ups and downs, because so this is his first start, but he is definitely athletic. He's a mobile quarterback. He can move, and he can definitely make bomb passes. He had all of it going on in his game, but it was Middle Tennessee State trying to take place in Tuscaloosa? I don't think they were going to make it alive. Um, USC wins their matchup against Nevada, 66 to 14, um, in which Caleb puts up a monster game. That that is for sure. Heisman watch definitely. Uh, Penn State wins their matchup against West Virginia, 38 to 15. Washington wins their matchup against Boise State, 56 to 19. Texas wins in their matchup against Rice, 37 to 10. Tennessee wins their matchup against Virginia, 49-13. to 13. I'm going to stop right here real fast, uh, Sports City. Just because of what happened last year, uh, three players from Virginia were murdered by uh, a gunman on a, uh, a school shuttle, like a bus. And uh, one of the players that was on the bus actually made it off the bus and, like, tried to help out so on and so forth, and he led the team out suited up and everything before the start of the game for Virginia and um, speaks volumes for, you know, being being able to go back out there in Collins and um, leading the team. A very emotional situation. I pray for him. And um, thank goodness he was out being able to go out there. But definitely Tennessee dismantled them in the middle of uh, Knoxville, that's for sure. Uh, Tennessee is definitely a threat in the SEC. I was talking about that. With Barry in the cookout, that's a team that if it was like a 12-team playoff, who would need it or benefit? I said Tennessee, they might not even need 12 teams the way they're playing. They got speed all across the board. They are a threat for sure in the SEC. Uh, you guys are on watch in SEC. I'm telling you this right now about Tennessee. Hypo has these guys up and running. Uh, Notre Dame blows out Tennessee State 56-3. to Eddie George, I feel bad. You got a lot of work to do down there at Tennessee State, that's for sure. Oregon is out there playing basketball while other teams are out there playing football. They play Portland State and win this matchup 81-7. to uh, Kansas State shuts out Southeast Missouri State 45-0. The game of the day, the upset. Colorado goes into TCU's building and wins this matchup 45-42, to in which this was a gunfight, a.k.a. a shootout, and uh, TCU, once they got their feet underneath them late, it was like, okay, I feel like they can take this game away from Colorado, but they won't cover the 20 points. Oh, no. Dion was not having it. Well, not his defense. His offense went crazy. 
And if you don't know who Shador Sanders is, this guy is now on Heisman Watch. This guy broke a record his first game in Colorado, throwing for 510 yards passing, in which Travis Hunter, the guy that everybody's been gawking at, including Nick Saban, wanting to come to Alabama, this guy is a dual threat all game long. Every single play did not come off the field, getting interceptions, touchdowns, making crazy catch. This guy is Deion Sanders 2.0. Travis Hunter, I repeat, is Deion Sanders 2.0. Deion may have a problem with two players on one team for the Heisman Watch, Travis Hunter and his own son. And he said Travis Hunter is his, his other son too, so this could get this could get crazy in Boulder. You guys are on watch. TCU is upset. Wisconsin wins their matchup up against Buffalo, 38-17. to Oklahoma with a supreme blowout. But it's Arkansas State. This took place in Norman. 73 to nothing, and North Carolina wins their matchup up against South Carolina, the Battle of the Border, 31 to 17. In which, Sports City, I'm going to say this right now, I don't believe in Spencer Rattler at all. I don't think that he will go into the NFL and go crazy. He'll definitely probably be a backup, but he's not going to be the starter. For all of the praise that he had two years ago, then last year, and then coming into this season, being in South Carolina, new face and new uh, conference and not really having to deal with what he had to deal with out there in Oklahoma, nothing has changed. Spencer Rattler is who he is. If it walks like a duck, it quacks like a duck, it is a duck. For him to be home in North Carolina, still take care of business, um, what, is the ACC getting stronger than the SEC? I don't know. Like, uh, Spencer has a lot of questions to answer before he gets into the draft. Or, or I don't even want to spill into the draft just yet. He has a whole season right here because that's week one. But it's going to get tougher within the SEC. So we'll see. Your work is cut out for you, Spencer Rattler. But I, I'm not, I'm nowhere near impressed. You didn't grow in the time that you actually had to face your adversity, so on and so forth. The other games that we do have was uh, Ole Miss won their game up against Mercer 73-7. to Texas A&M blows out New Mexico 52-10. to Tulane wins their matchup against South Alabama, 37-17. And Iowa wins their matchup up against Utah State, 24-14. Um, Mike, your thoughts on the scores that took place this weekend so far? There are games today and tomorrow as well. So I'll start with my thoughts on Thursday. I'm going to quote a New Orleans rapper from back in the day, Mystical Totem. Y'all ain't ready. And Florida is not. Listen, Utah was on notice. They got upset last year in Gainesville, and they weren't having it this season. They did. They were missing their starting quarterback and their All-American tight end as well, and they still uh, put it on Florida. Uh, they were more physical. They were the more well-coached team. Uh, Florida just made silly, silly mistakes uh, throughout that game as far as uh, even, like, you know, offside penalties, starting to line upright, that kind of stuff. It's undisciplined uh, mistakes that uh, you do not expect. I mean, you see some of that in game one, TP, but uh, way more than what you would expect. Uh, but Utah takes care of business there. That's also a tough place to go play in that altitude. Um, and then Travis Hunter, man, he was on the field for 129 snaps. We need that one more again. 129 snaps. 
that makes me tired just to say it. And, and and that listen, that interception that he made was not like it wasn't like something was thrown right at him either. He made a remarkable play to get that interception. Uh Dion actually said that he in his opinion right now, Travis Hunter is better than he was at that age. Uh so we'll see if he continues to develop. You're right about Shadir Sanders first time a Colorado quarterback has ever thrown for 500 plus yards first time i've ever had four 100 yard receivers in the same game uh it was funny Dion said we will have a hot tub on the plane for him if we got to like <laughs> he'll be fine and it, it was fun what was as much fun as the game was hearing Dion and even travis hunter and that message being consistent he's like what i got a quarterback they played at Jackson State last year, and y'all thought, well, what's he going to do in big-time college football? Well, what does he do? Uh, 38 for 47, 510 yards, and puts himself right in the center of this Heisman conversation. And look, that little running back, Deion said he coached him when he was in youth. Edwards, the kid from Derby, Kansas, uh, like, he's five foot nine, but <laughs> it's like, uh, what, what did uh, – Dion say he, he he when he looks in the mirror he sees a guy that's six six like he don't really realize and or play uh, like a small player. Um, so Colorado twenty and a half points. I told anybody that would listen that was way too many. I wasn't sure that they could win, but I knew they would. Uh, I knew they were more likely to win than TCU was to cover. And what I saw yes early in the week, Nebraska was an eight and a half point favorite um, against them. It was one and a half yesterday. It's probably going to change today, but I'm telling you right now. Saw Nebraska play Thursday night. Still couldn't get out of their own way. They lose 13 to 10 to Minnesota. Um, and so, if if that line is still close, go ahead and uh, go ahead and, and place your bets right now because Colorado is going to beat Nebraska next weekend. So, this was not a good weekend for the Big 12, though. Staying there real quick, TP. Uh, TCU loses. Baylor lost 42-31 to to Texas State, a new head coach, young 30s uh, head coach. This Texas State team, though they did beat Appalachian State last year, finished 4-8. and eight. They're being quarterbacked by T.J. Finley, if that name sounds familiar, played at LSU, played at Auburn, is now at Texas State in the Sun Belt Conference. And they put it on Baylor yesterday, and not just that, while um, – was it Fresno State goes in and beats Texas Tech as well? So not a good uh, look for some of the teams in the Pac-12. To answer your question, no, ACC is not better than SEC. I don't believe. I believe North Carolina should be one of the top three or four teams in that conference where South Carolina is probably going to be in the bottom half of the SEC by the end of this year. I think Shane Beamer has done some really good things there. It was a good win for them to beat Tennessee last year and a good win to beat Clemson. Uh, they still got a little bit to go. I agree with you wholeheartedly on Spencer Radler. I don't think that his ceiling at the next level is higher than Stetson Bennett's, and I think Stetson Bennett's a journeyman backup quarterback in this league. So uh, I I think Spencer Radler's going to have a hard time sticking. I, you know, he just – he sometimes makes some really good throws, 
and, and can really impress, but then in others, it's just like you just don't know where this guy's head's at. So uh, he is not consistent, and that's not going to fly at the next level. You mentioned Tennessee and what they did. Uh, the, first of all, uh, this was a, a, a kind of quote-unquote neutral site game, but not really because it was in Nashville at the Titan Stadium. But I was, uh, to your point, some things are bigger than football. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they took it on the chin, but, you know, to see, to hear Tony Elliott say, you know, with all that this team has just went through, I'm just proud that they were able to come out and play today. Uh, listen, Virginia is not a very good football team this year. Um, I, I just don't think so. Tennessee did what they were supposed to do. But the one thing that I really saw from Tennessee that impressed me yesterday was they played some defense. You know that a Josh Heifel coach team is going to play offense. Uh, but they played defense. They were in the backfield all day. If Tennessee uh, takes a step defensively, look out. Because, to your point, they're going to be a serious threat in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, so I was impressed with the way they played defensively. I was impressed with the laser show that Ole Miss put up on the board. Jackson Dart really played well at quarterback for them. Uh, I was also you know, uh, Mississippi State won yesterday against another FCS opponent in, S- in southeastern Louisiana. Uh, you know, that's, that's the guy's first regular season win. He coached the bowl game after Mike Leach died. So, uh, good for them. Looking around as far as other things, uh, I wasn't impressed with Ohio State's offense. Uh, they still got, I feel like, still got some questions. Uh, with Kyle McCord, who I did not realize was Marvin Harrison Jr.'s high school teammate as well. Uh, but Ohio State still got some things to figure out offensively. Was not super impressed by them. Uh, I thought that Utah State could push Iowa, and it was a pretty close game. Uh, Iowa, Iowa State next weekend in what they call the Cyhawk rivalry, so that'll be uh, kind of interesting to see what happens when Iowa steps up in competition a little bit. Uh, USC played a little bit better defense, but also not a great opponent. You mentioned Oregon playing basketball, putting up 81. There's a lot of high scores. I think a lot of these teams, uh, when they can, are going for style points, TP. I look at, at Vanderbilt, uh, Notre Dame. This is the first time in many years that they've played an FCS opponent, uh, is what I saw, which kind of surprised me. Uh, but, you know, they put up 56 in the quarterback, uh, Sam Hartman, uh, only really had to pass for 195 yards. Uh, Washington against Boise State. The days of Boise State being sort of the giant slayer is over. I think they can still win their conference and contend, but against uh, big teams, they're going to have trouble. That kid from Washington last night was something like 14 out of 15 TP for like 400 and something yards. It's crazy. Like you're talking almost like 30 yards of completion this dude averaged. But he had three or four touchdowns that were like 45, 46, and 47 yards. So he had almost 150 of those yards on just three completions. Uh, But looking at what that quarterback did from Washington uh, yesterday, I was impressed. A lot of people picked Tulane to beat South – picked South Alabama to upset Tulane. Uh, Tulane did not uh, buy into that. They took care of business as well, uh, representing the – American Athletic Conference. So, uh, you know, not not a lot of huge upsets, but still a, a few uh, 
power five teams go down, uh, which made for a compelling uh, first Saturday. You know, looking at it, uh, you know, a lot of people would say that, you know, a lot of cupcakes and a lot of not very tough games, but there were still some, some definitely competitive games in college football. I'm not surprised. It never disappoints. I'm glad it's back, TP. It's going to be a fun next 14 or next 13 more Saturdays as as this shakes out. But it's just fun to have a, a scoreboard to read again and to have games all over the place. Uh, so it, it's nice to see. Um, first and foremost, I didn't say that comment about North Carolina, South Carolina, like – I'm making the comparison for ACC to SEC. I'm just saying that for the nature of Spencer Rattler. So I, I'm not trying to dive into no debate about that right now. That wasn't what I was doing. It was more or less the Spencer Rattler situation. But never, nevertheless, um, <clears throat> North Carolina definitely is a team that's doing their thing in the ACC. And for them to go into South Carolina and steal that game was an interesting game, especially up against a quarterback that is getting – recognition from the pro level for the past couple of seasons and he didn't do anything significant in that game that's why i was making that statement uh tennessee is definitely a team to watch out for that's for sure hypo definitely has these guys up and running i i think they definitely can do damage within sec they did beat alabama last year i think they could definitely do it again going probably into tuscaloosa because i think that game took place in knoxville last year when they won that game um the Notre Dame game this year is going to be very interesting uh, as it takes place today up against LSU. Um, this spread is now at one and a half. That is something to watch out for. That's for sure as well. Um, personally, in college right now, uh, the Hurricanes definitely showed me better than what I expected. I was trying to lowball the situation when they brought the question to me, uh, are they ready? And I'm like, I don't know. We'll see. That team is rocking, even though it's the first game of the season. It was up against Miami, Ohio. I got to give that that team somewhat respect. I don't want to lowball them because they're out of the max so on and so forth. Because Miami, Ohio definitely played their good football within the years, but um, they definitely looked out matching that matchup. And the Hurricanes played their football finally, ground and pound, running the ball well. The offensive line is finally back, and like I said, Restrepo's the guy in the passing game. If he could stay healthy, he's one of the better receivers for this team. Tyler Van Dimes or Tyler Van Dyke is definitely making his throws as well. Cristobal had the team looking good in week one, but the true test is coming up this Saturday up against Texas A&M. Texas A&M comes to Florida in Coral Gables up against the Hurricanes, so we'll see if they could pull that off. This is a definitely nail-biting situation, especially way. Miami looked in College Station last year, and, and they had injuries and still lost that game. They're texting them look good yesterday, so this is definitely going to be a tough scenario uh, for them going into this as well. There was something that Mike said about this upcoming game. I feel like this is a trap with the Nebraska situation, but I'm not impressed at any means. I could care less what Matt Rule does with that team and all that he's been through, so on and so forth. Nebraska, you guys are disgusting, disgusting. Um, all of the legacy and all of the years of what I remember back to the Lawrence Phillips, the Tommy Frazier days, so on and so forth, they, those glory years are not coming back. For them to lose to Minnesota, and I'm not taking anything away from the Gophers at all. I'm not doing that. But Nebraska should have a chip on their shoulder for the games they were losing last year, losing to Georgia Southern, 
I still remember that game when they lost to Georgia Southern, and everybody stayed still in um, Nebraska. Nobody left Lincoln. They all were looking at the field like, what's going on? They fired Frost. Everything happened, and nothing's changed. Nebraska's program still looks bad, and they are favored against Colorado. This is very tricky because I feel like there's no way Vegas is going to let everybody bet $3 billion on Colorado and give that away for free. Um, This is scary because Colorado looks like they are way better than Nebraska, and Nebraska does not look like they should even be on the field. I feel like they should forfeit the way Colorado looked against TCU, but they're favored. I don't care if they're in Lincoln. I don't care if they're in Omaha. I don't care if they're in their parents' backyard. I don't, I don't. There's no way Colorado should be in trouble for that game, especially for them to go up against TCU, a team that has been to the national championship, even though they got blown out. But they're a team that you have to recognize across the board for at least being a, a power in college football. And then they're going to go up against Nebraska, who's horrible, and be an underdog. I, I, that's that's scary to watch out for. That could be a trap game. I want to touch it, but it's like I feel like Vegas is like, oh yeah, you too, you fell for the trap, hand in the cookie jar. We got you. So very interesting, to say the least bit. Um, I, I, I'm I'm scared of the situation, especially the way that Dion had these kids believing. Uh, going into this situation. But like, again, I said, um, is Clemson and Duke that takes place today. There is LSU and Notre Dame. Mike, who do you like in those two games? uh, Clemson, Duke's tomorrow. LSU, Florida State is tonight. Okay, I'm just looking at the scoreboard. Okay, so the days are, yeah. Okay, so today is LSU and Notre Dame. Of course, you're going with LSU. So why do you feel LSU is going to win the game? No, so... Listen, this LSU-Florida State game is going to be very, very, very interesting. Uh, last year, it was really ugly. I think both teams are much better than they were a year ago. You know, the question with Florida State is, can Florida State challenge Clemson? And I think in a lot of ways, they really can this year. Florida State has a quarterback who's been in the system a few years in, in Jordan Travis. Uh, he's a dual-threat guy. He's a problem running the ball, and he can throw it. thing that really concerns me the most about this TP is Florida State has a lot of size at the wide receiver position. They got a guy, a 6'7 guy, a 6'6 guy, and another guy at 6'4. Uh, and LSU's got new starters at quarterback, and they definitely don't have anybody, <laughs> you know, 6'3, 6'4. And LSU is missing their most disruptive defensive tackle. Um, this is a game that I'm, I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm very, very nervous about. I think LSU has weapons all over the field, um, just like Florida State does. Uh, this is going to uh, be a home game, even though it's at a neutral site. You know, last year they played in the, in the Superdome in New Orleans. And it was more a home game for LSU, and Florida State got out of there alive. It was a block extra point at the end of the game that gave them the one-point victory. LSU had to come back, though, to get back into that thing. Uh, This year they're playing at Camping World Stadium in Orlando, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time tonight. Uh, Shout-out to the Villainers, our two teams hook up tonight. I think – I I think LSU has a little bit more speed on the outside – 
and I think they're going to find a way to get it done tonight, TP, but I am not supremely confident. You know, Villain and I go back and forth and, and you know, give each other the, you know, a hard time because we're supposed to. I am not supremely confident in this game. This is a tough, tough opening game. It's the only two – it's the only game this weekend where both teams are in the top ten. It's kind of a marquee game of uh, of week one, uh, but it's going to have a tough time uh, matching up to what we saw yesterday from TCU in Colorado. Uh, but I'm going to go with the Tigers. Uh, I think I think Jaden Daniels is going to show that he's continued to improve as a passer take advantage of the weapons on the outside. LSU's got a bunch of running backs to throw at him to keep fresh legs. Um, Harold Perkins is healthy and playing this game, whereas last year as a true freshman, he really just kind of played a few snaps on special teams. We saw what kind of difference maker he was uh, last year. Uh, as far as I think he's going to have to spy the quarterback, and I think Omar Spates, the Oregon State transfer in the middle of the field, um, is going to be a difference maker covering the sideline and sideline and making tackles. Um, this this could be tough, though, TP. I, I think these teams are very, very evenly matched. That's why you only got a one-and-a-half-point spread. Uh, now, what I will tell you is it was three-and-a-half earlier in the week, right? And now it's dropped to one-and-a-half. It tells you that more and more action, is more and more uh, bets have been placed on Florida State, which is why that line is continuing to move. So, uh, I think LSU finds a way to win, but I think it's going to be close, uh, and and I think it's going to be competitive. I think it's going to be worth watching tonight. We definitely will see this as a marquee matchup. I just want to see how LSU slows down that receiver. They have a, a house outside, uh, more or less like a Calvin Johnson type figure, and, and this guy starting to dominate college football because of his size and his speed as well. Um, but LSU's going to, you know, be able to win with Daniels as well. This guy's definitely had that chip on his shoulder ever since last year, the way things went down in that matchup as well. So this is turning into a rivalry in itself. Can he redeem himself? We will see. This is definitely interesting to see if, you know, Coach Kelly can get these guys running because that's what everybody's waiting for, the transition from him leaving South Bend to come to Baton Rouge and trying to turn this thing around and the success he's had after that game of going up against Florida State. Uh, can he run the table is the question. That's what he's going to need uh, <laughs> to stay afloat in the SEC because that's, that's what it usually is. Uh, <laughs> that one loss could cost you unless you really just start dominating as best as you can across the board. Um, so he, he's got his hands full in so many different ways in this matchup let alone all of the static outside of, you know, what they have to deal with within the conference as well. So we will see. Um, Florida State is definitely trying to make the jump from all that they've gone through uh, until now at this point in time. They're trying to see if they could win the ACC, which a lot of people outright trying to say that they do have at this point in time. But the top half of the ACC is very respectable. So Florida State has their work cut out for them as well. this is a big game for both teams. I don't know how to slice this. Um, uh, the way that the game went down last year, I felt like LSU was definitely prone to at least tie that thing up and see how it went. But the way that the kick went down at the end of the game, it's like, wow, like the the agony of defeat, the thrill that you, you go through, you everything counts. And 
it's tough. It, it, it's just tough at this point in time. But we'll see. We got to buckle up and get ready for this situation. Um, Mike, is there anything that you'd like to add today before we start to close up the show? Yeah, so real quick, I, I don't think the loser of this game is necessarily out of it, but I was reading something today, and it said that, you know, we've had nine years of playoffs so far. And in those nine years, so you've had 36 teams, the combined number of losses is 24 um, from the, the teams that have made the playoffs. So it definitely creates a, a definitely an uphill battle uh, for whoever comes out of this. Uh, real quick, man, the, the U.S. Open going on this week. Uh, Coco Goff, who kind of burst on the scene a few years ago, uh, she's playing Carolyn Wozniacki, who has, has come back from, you know, was retired, uh, but came back and is really hitting the ball really well. That's a very interesting uh, matchup uh, today. Uh, Carlos Alcar- uh, Alcaris and uh, Djokovic, uh, Djokovic are both right there uh, on a collision course for the finals. They both had uh, tough matches to survive a couple of days ago. We are going to have at least one American uh, make the semifinals on the men's side, which is kind of surprising this year. But with the way the brackets fall, um, there's a there's a very good shot that we can have one American make the make the, the semis at least. But uh, U.S. Open going on this weekend. This week at Flushing Meadows. This is the second week of that tournament. Um, but uh, some some really interesting uh, matchups there, and so it'll be fun to see how that tournament turns out. But Coco Goff and Wozniacki should be a really really entertaining match uh, on the women's side today. Uh, Coco's gonna have to show me more than just name value. She doesn't win tournaments. Um, She's one that a lot of people are trying to get behind at the point where she doesn't bring anything back home. She'll get as far as a semifinal. Um, she has to win one, and this is a big test for her if, if this is what you're, like, putting a claim to for Coco Golf. If she could win this, I think Wazniaki could definitely end up beating her because these are the games that uh, Coco, if she starts hitting the net or, you know, can't return the the, the volley or, you know, things like that, it, she gets inside her head. Um, but this is her time now. Like, enough is enough. For Coco, especially while being up here in the uh, the Northeast region as well, so we will see if that stands pat to what you're saying. That takes place at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, other than that, I mean, I really don't have too much more because we are rolling into NFL Week One. I am four days away, Fort City. I am literally at the edge of my seat. I don't know what to do with myself. I'm like looking around every wall around me, like. What do I do? What am I going to wear all week? What am I going to wear on Thursday? Like, what hat do I want to wear? Like, where do I go to watch this game? I got, like, five of my friends that are Chiefs fans that are in my city that all want to watch the game with me. I'm like, oh, goodness. Like, it's back. (laughs) Electric for a city. Electric at this point in time. There are some games that are taking place right now, Rutgers and Northwestern. I feel like that's going to be a very interesting game. It's 0-0 in the first quarter. Northwestern has to rebuild themselves with everything that went on with Coach Fitzgerald in that that university. We will see how that pans out. Uh, Jackson State and Florida A&M, black colleges are going at it at 3 p.m. Oregon State and San Jose State are going after, especially after San Jose State had a game up against USC last week and scored 28. Uh, We'll see if Oregon State could actually hold true to their 
18th rank in the nation. We will see. Mike, your uh, closeout, anything that you'd like to promote as we get ready to shut down the brunch today? Yeah, it, the one one other thing I want to say about Coco that's, that's interesting to me is she recently enlisted uh, Brad Gilbert, who was a, the guy that was noted for helping turn Agassi around years ago, been a long-time tennis coach. We'll see if that makes a, a, a difference in, in her game. She's played better this summer. So I, I hope Coco does well. I'm, I'm rooting for her today. Um, and as far as uh, things to promote, man, listen, I was just re- released an article a couple of days ago. You can find it on the website on sportscitychefs.com talking about some of the the changes uh, coming in in college football and what, what this kind of looks like. Uh, we have other articles and things up. We're going to have more and more finger foods and things as we go along. So come by, check us out on sportscitychefs.com. Like, like any of our articles, the numbers help us. And then we have shows throughout the week. We have uh, this show, 11 a.m. on Sundays, the time of Sunday morning brunch, where CP and I recap the weekend and set the uh, table for what's coming up on Sunday and in the week to come. We also have shows throughout the week, 9 p.m. Eastern time Every uh, is the time. That you don't got to remember, we don't have them at all different times, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern. Check us out, Tuesday night, NFL front office show. Wednesday night, Carlos Cookout. Villain and I have kind of a fun little wager on uh, tonight's game. One of us will not find it fun on Wednesday night, so you guys will see. Uh, we, we, we have something kind of planned up for that. And then we have... Uh, Thursday night, Roundtable Gumbo with Chandler Knight and myself um, bringing some spice into the kitchen as well and and setting the table for different things. If you guys haven't heard yet, anytime Chandler's on, you got to listen because Chandler, oh, <laughs> listen, he, he never holds back. He will share what he thinks. Uh, it's a lot of fun to do a show with him. It's always a pleasure and a privilege to do this with UTP as well. Without you, I wouldn't be here, man. So all the love, respect, and everything that I can extend to you, brother. Love you like a brother, man, for always and forever, bro. Shout out to the other chefs, uh, Sirius, uh, Dylan. Yes, I'll give a shout out to Controversy as well. Other guys like Dave, uh, Jets, who participated in our fantasy draft this past uh, Tuesday night, and we had some fun with that, guys. So uh, just check us out, listen to our shows, like and subscribe. Remember, you can listen to us on all your smart speakers as well. Just tell it to play Sports City Chefs. They'll come right up. You get the little song and the intro and hear the topics that we serve up for you here in Sports City. Uh, real quick, Philly's going to make the playoffs. Bryce Hopper's doing well. You want to get your Bryce Hopper jerseys. You know, your Trey Turner, who's really starting to catch fire and play really well. Or, you know, perhaps with the Eagles, you know, season getting ready to start up, you want to get your Jalen Hurts or your A.J. Brown jerseys or whatever to represent. Or you know somebody that's an Eagles fan who has a birthday or, you know, it's never too early to think about Christmas shopping. Check them out, phiapparel.co. Use promo code at CHEFS at checkout for 15% off. Once again, phiapparel.co. Promo code CHEFS at checkout for 15% off. Thank you to PHI Apparel for sponsoring what we do. Please support them. Supporting them supports us. And we'll talk to you again uh, later on this week. TP, pleasure as always, my brother. Laissez les bons temps Peace.
Okay, like I mentioned before, Sports City, um, I'm four days away, man. I don't know what to do with myself, man. But the NFL season is here, and the bird months are kicking off and going absolutely crazy. My Hurricanes got me hyped up to see what they were doing. If you guys don't know, look out for the running back, Mark Fletcher. This dude is a threat. Uh, Henry Parrish, the running back. This guy put probably one of the best jukes on in the college football season already. Oh, we're going to see a ton of this. It's a ton of it. But he put a juke on so bad, even the announcers was like, his job strap is still on the field. I'm like, oh, my. Just, just to see that that's back in Miami. Like, we got jukesters and beasters. Like, yes, yeah, this and, and his last name is Parrish and Roscoe Parrish. It, it, it's, all, it's all there. At least it's starting to come back around. I don't want to say it's all there yet, but it's starting to come back around. I'm feeling those juices flowing. Um, the bird months, like I'm saying, in uh, Minnesota, I want to do this as slowly, as gradually as I can. Byron Buxton will be coming back soon. <laughs> and they have been playing good without him. So it's like, please don't let him mess up the mojo because these guys have actually been playing strong. Hopefully he can come back and be impressive. And the crazy part about it is they want to play him in the field. Oh, boy, now i got to deal with this because Michael Taylor has actually been playing so well, they think that he can threaten to get a gold glove. I don't know because usually Trout, but Trout's been injured. I don't think he could get the award this year. But Taylor's definitely been playing his great ball in center, and they want to get Buxton out there because Buxton's a gold glove center fielder too. And it's like, where do they put Taylor? Like, are they going to put him in right? He's been playing so well and hitting the ball so well, you can't just fully take him out of the lineup. Oh man, it's, it's the bird. I'm telling you, when the bird must come around, sports go absolutely crazy. Like I can hear the kazoos going off, like like pop a balloon or something, do something crazy. Like, oh my goodness, and the NFL is back. This is the weekend. I we go first, and the atmosphere is great. Everybody's pulling out all their gear. I I, I really can't wait for all of this madness to go down. But we're first, man, and um, I finally get to see my starting O, my starting D, um. Julian Aquara got injured. They put him on the IR. They brought back Craig Reynolds, so that's interesting that they have him back now. We do have three running backs. Whew, dodged the bullet right there. So uh, that's cool. There's so many different things to jump into. The NFL front office uh, free-for-all Tuesday. I got to be in there just to get some more of my juices flowing. And then the the cookout Wednesday, definitely get my juices flowing. Um, Thursday, I'm going to be out of my mind. So somebody – Check on me. Call me. Text me. Do something because I might be out of my mind wearing a whole bunch of Honolulu blue. That is for sure. Hoodies, jerseys, hats, caps, glasses, every everything you think of. I got you. You name it. But um, Sports City, we'll be right back here. Give us a few hours. We'll open this thing back up. Everything you need to check our link tree. If you say Sports City Chef, we got you. On that note, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chefs again. And if they don't know, now they know. <laughs> Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Chefs, Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Chefs, Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Kaboom, Sports City, Chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on the spoon, they well in tune, blown like a flower in June, Superman verse, MF Doom, the clouds loom, to tell a friend it's the Sports City Chefs again, pay attention, tune in, we on the set again. Uh-huh. <laughs>